you are now tuning into the Four Feathers podcast brought to you by Chicago Sports Nation. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Four Feathers podcast. I am Johnny Nani. I'm joined by Ron Luce, Tyler Jones, and Tony Marchese. How are we doing tonight, boys? Doing good, sir. How are you? Good. Doing well. I'm Bye. glad to be fucking back, boys. I thought you were fired. I thought I was, too. I got rehired. I, I was looking on Indeed. I saw you guys needed someone. <laughs> put a Put an application through. I don't know who hired you, dude. You guys got to switch up your HR I didn't get any applications. I didn't get anything. Did Did you guys see something come through on the email, Johnny? Johnny, were you Are you behind this? I think I came on Slack. Yeah, I had nothing to do with this. Well, he got fired. He got fired twice last week in a span of like twenty four hours. Um, but that's okay. I heard you. Ki- I heard you uh, kick some ass over the weekend, didn't you? Yeah, man. I wish I did better. Uh, I came up short in the finals, but um, it's good enough for now. But a couple months, I'll get back in there and take some gold for the Four Feathers podcast. So those uh, cornrows are pretty nasty. Tight, man. Are, are you still tight. rocking the cornrows? No, because I would get fired. <laughs> <laughs> so like so quickly. How does that all like come out? Do you just like wash it and then it's good to go? No, you have to like hand pick them out. Um, and it looked like oh, I was annoying. in Bone Thugs and Harmony. It was sick. <laughs> yeah, so take us take us through the whole process of cornrows because this seems more interesting to me than Blackhawks hockey. And yeah. I'm sure the listeners want to know, you know, how do you go about getting cornrows? You know, from the start, I saw you post something on Twitter yeah. at one point that said, you know, I'm looking for somebody to do cornrows. So, so take us through your experience. <laughs> so um, usually what will happen is I'll post that out and then um, someone who uh, either, you know, dropped out of high school or was arrested uh, <laughs> hits me <laughs> up and, and gives me someone that does theirs. And then uh, I go to that person's house and they do mine. And actually this time it was a really nice lady and she did a great job. Usually it takes like an hour to do it. She did it in 15 minutes. I was like, fuck yeah, man. How much do you pay for those corn rolls? Um, I did. She, she asked for 20 bucks. I gave her like 35 cause I hit her up like the morning of, and I was like, Hey, I'm coming to your house. I need some corn rolls, man. And she went through it. She did it. It was good to go. I just, I need to do it when I compete because I cannot see a fucking thing. Like during practice, I hate it, dude. My hair is everywhere. I should probably just get a haircut, but I got that. I was gonna, flow. I was gonna yeah, say, let that flow go. I was gonna say, can you can you do like a caner mullet in your next fight? I would like to. Yeah, I think I think I will do it. I'll just go full mullet, and then the day after, I'll shave it off. I think that's what I'm gonna do. I think that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, you got to put the flow to good use somehow. Yeah. Like, even, you know, it'll be picturesque then. Nothing strikes fear in your opponent like a fucking mullet. I'll tell you that much. I know somebody who has a sick mullet, but I can't name his name. <laughs> Mullets are tough. Says it all. <laughs> all right, let's talk some Blackhawks, guys. Yeah, so last, last <laughs> week of games, um, all losses. Thursday night at Winnipeg, lost 6-5. to five. Saturday lost at Nashville five to two. That one got a little nasty. Um, Sunday lost at home versus Calgary three to two. 
Ooh. Harry Dundalk and Cox. <laughs> um, give me an observation, a point, uh, something from these games, guys. Um, well, we were kind of, you know, we this is something that stood out to me and it was one of the only things that stood out to me. A couple things, actually. I'm sorry. Um, I like the compete level in the third period only. Like they don't come, they don't come to play until like the 39 minute mark of, of the entire game. Um, which I mean can be beneficial if we can just get those first two periods rolling too. Uh, you saw that a lot in the Calgary game and, and in the Winnipeg as well. Uh, but the, the other thing that I kind of wanted to bring up was DeBrinket stepping up when, when Keith, uh, you know, took that nasty hit and rightfully so he got a little angered at it started fighting and, you know, who, who, but the smallest guy on the team jumps up to, to aid Keith in the fight. And I, I love that. I, I love that he steps up and, and has a little bit of grit and that's, that's what they're missing. They need that extra oomph uh, in the game to kind of get them going. And, and I'm glad that he's stepping up. Yeah. I think just to piggyback off of that a little bit, I mean, yeah, I think the compete level has been good, sadly, only late in the games. Um, you know, the rest of it is just frustrating. This last, you know, this half-ass, you know, nonsense, you know, is silly. Um, I kind of liked a little bit of the feistiness, though, in in Nashville and in Calgary. I don't think we saw it as much in Winnipeg uh, since that one was kind of a little more of a shootout. But, um, you know, I mean, Calgary's game got a little chippy, um, not necessarily as to the extent as, like, Nashville's game was. I mean, granted – We'll talk about it in a minute, but <laughs> you know the the Calgary game could have been vastly different had it not been for some ridiculous stupidity from one certain Blackhawk forward. But um, you know they're 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 playing with a little bit more purpose now, and I mean, you know if if things start going well and and talent starts coming through the pipeline and they can play like this under Colleton, I feel good about the future. Um, but right now, it's just kind of a day late, a dollar short when they're coming up with this kind of, um, you know, compete level late in games. They're like, oh, we can win it now. And it's like, well, yeah, motherfuckers, you're down four goals. Had you not let those four goals up and came out with this compete level, we'd be in real good shape right now. You'd be winning games. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're losing close ones like they have, you know, um, in Thursday and Sunday, you know, 6-5 and 3-2. You're losing one goal games where you were down by, you know, two or or greater but you're coming back you know it's like if you can just clean up the early parts of the game all of a sudden these are different hockey games and and sure they're not going to win all of them but they would win a hell of a lot more than they have so far i mean nine wins through i don't even know what how many games they've played 26 now maybe you know it it would it would be nice to get their 10th win it would be really nice because Old Blackhawks hockey, they would get to their tenth win by like the sixteenth game. Now it's, you know, yeah, twenty eight games. Twenty. By the way. Oh, all right. There you go. Even worse. Solid. Yeah, you know, we're twenty eight games into the season and they haven't even reached double digit wins yet. So, um, yeah, it's frustrating. But I mean, I guess there's some positives, but not a whole ton. Are, are we coming to me now? Yeah, if you have any uh, observations or anything you wanted to point out from those games, obviously we have what Ron hinted at to get to. But Well, observations. Um, 
I, I have observations. Um, where do I want to start? Uh, number one, the I think that you guys mentioned you like to see the the fire and uh, the kind of the feistiness. Uh, to me, that's not really feistiness or fire more than these guys are fucking frustrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have not won in quite a few games. They lost their head coach this season. Uh, you know, some of these these core guys like like Duncan Keith um, have been through a lot over the past two years, and I think this is this is the boiling point. You see him pile drive a guy out of the fucking ice, and you know, get himself ejected early in a game against a team like Nashville that's in your division. You can't tell me that that was what Duncan Keith went into that game to do. That guy's frustrated. Um, the the other thing, you look at some of these lines that Jeremy Carlton's thrown out there, and they just look fucking ridiculous. Uh, the one that really struck me was the Kane Camp Cahoon line, um, and j- not going into what <laughs> you know the the first letter of each guy's last name is, but if you're Patrick Kane. And you come into this year and you look at some of the talent that they have on the top six forward wise. Did you ever think in your wildest dreams that Patrick Kane would be skating with Kampf and Cahoon in December? No. Only if Cahoon no, was like no. really came in and just tore it up. But Well, I'm saying no. those those two guys together. I mean Cahoon yeah. started the year on the top line and, and we liked what we saw in his offense. <laughs> He's completely disappeared in my mind. He's been a non-factor. Throwing Patrick Kane with them on basically what would be considered a third line is absolutely ridiculous. Um, It it feels to me, when I watch these games, like Colleton's grasping at straws, especially early. This team does not look ready to play at all. We kind of touched on that. They look like they come out flat each and every time. Um, I'm wondering, you know, I don't think that's completely coaching, but I mean, this team just comes out in these games and and like we've said, they're not playing until the third period, but you know, part of the coach's job, in my opinion, is to get the team fucking ready to play a game. If there's anything more than that, uh, in-game strategy is one thing, but you got to be prepared to get out on the ice and play. And if some of these lines that he's thrown out there, I mean, I I don't know, but it just seems like they're disinterested in that first period, something doesn't seem right. Um, you guys all follow that uh, cheer the anthem on Twitter, correct? Mm-hmm. Some of his tweets over the past week have been just absolute gold. Uh, he had one out there the other day that I kind of wanted to bring up, and that was, you know, you wonder what Stan Bowman told John McDonough when they made the decision to fire Coach Quinville and what to expect out of the Blackhawks. Because we talk about messaging and we talk about them being a playoff team. At this point, I want a full-out press conference on what the what the what the strategy is for the rest of the year, because this team has done nothing but spiral downward ever since that move. Even though they were already on a downward spiral, uh, my observations of the past few games are they just look completely lost, and it's really easy to play desperate when you continue to lose in the third period and come out with a lot of energy. So that's I, I'm not I'm not too encouraged, I guess, as much as everybody else is, because if you are down in the third period, that's just kind of a natural response. They need to come out and like, you know, just play a full, complete 60. Yeah, when I had tweeted it from the Four Feathers account uh, back during the Winnipeg game last Thursday, 
And it was, you know, it's a shame that it takes the Hawks getting their shit rocked to even generate any sort of meaningful pressure. And I just posted like a screen grab of the natural stat trick um, uh, game flow chart that shows, you know, Corsi events for and against. Um, and it was all in Winnipeg's favor until, you know, late second period when we finally decided that we needed to wake up and play a hockey game tonight. So uh, that's disappointing to see. Um, but uh, another thing, things that could probably be controlled, we wanted to bring up Ron Tush on it earlier. Uh, Sunday night was probably their best chance to win any of these games uh, with just how it looked early on. Calgary scored first, and then Taves got sprung on a nice little breakaway to tie it up. So 1-1 at the end of the first, um, 7-08 into the second period. Uh, Chris Kunitz takes a elbowing uh, penalty two minutes for that and game misconduct um, and that just turned the tide because Calgary scored twice on that five minute power play and the Hawks got one back later but um, it's not nearly enough so you know Chris Kunitz what are you doing for us zero goals two assists you know 27 games played or is it no 20 one or 22 games played now he's been a healthy so, scratch quite yeah a bit. so it, it, i was wrong it, it's like 21 or 22 but still just just trash crawford has as many points in less games yeah i met him at the box game remember yeah. i know that was that was great video footage of uh of you meeting mr kunitz yeah a little more um, round why was he laying on the ground though i don't know i think he was so tired from his effort in that game he looked a little rounder than I thought. I, I don't yeah. know. I thought he, he was, was shorter. I know he was a short guy, but yeah. he was like really short. Yeah. He's, you know, I guess TV, you know. <laughs> all in all, yeah. though, if you guys really can't blame Chris Kunitz for for his level of production, though, can you? I mean, let's 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 be realistic about this. Should Chris Kunitz even be getting minutes on a fourth line terrible Blackhawks team? Is that doing Chris Kunitz any favors? No. Not at all. He was just on a team last year that was one of the best teams in the Atlantic and actually producing. Um, and now he's a healthy scratch on most nights um, on a fourth line for what's probably going to be a lottery team right now, at least at the pace that they're going. And yeah, it's not doing him any favors. It's not doing any of these young guys any favors. You know, guys like Fortin, guys like Hayden are are sitting in favor of Kunitz playing and you know, Kunis, Kunis has made his money. Does Chris you Kunis get a Kimo Tiemann deal at the trade deadline? I, trade him for nothing? I hope so. Just I to hope go, just to go play out, like safe. the last year of his career or whatever. Yeah, I mean, trade he's him a to candidate contender. for it. Yeah, oh, 100%. I mean, you know, he's he's had a very, very good career. I mean, um, four Stanley Cups is nothing to, you know, to you know, downplay by any means. He was a big part of all of those cup teams, uh, usually in a different role in each one of those those teams if you really look back on it. But I think somebody will like what Kunitz brings to the table that can afford him not to be a scorer. And they'll say, yeah, for a million bucks, you know, you prorate it with the cap for the rest of the season and it's a couple hundred K. Yeah, we'll bring him in. What the hell? Why not? Here you go, Chicago. We'll give you a fourth round pick for him. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens. And I'll be honest with you at this pace right now, they get a fourth round pick for him and I might have a a, a small celebration over that. But um, 
Yeah, I think I think they just need to sell some of these expiring contracts at deadline. Jan Ruda needs to be sold if he can be. Kunitz needs to be sold. Not going to get sold unless he gets lent out to a team in Russia. Hey, man. Yeah, give, give him the David Runblad treatment. Oh, David Runblad. Welcome you know, to the Swiss League. Hot hot take. Uh, I would actually rather have David Runblad right now than Jan Ruda. <sighs> I'd rather have wow, that, Roosevelt. That is pretty scorching. Oh, my God. You know, Ruda's God. been so bad that I, I honestly tend to agree <laughs> you with you just, there. Did you just bring up slows of all that might be the only person ever cheered when their knee shattered in a playoff game no actually you should have heard the way my wife cheered when he went down it was absolutely hilarious she's like thank fucking god that guy is gonna be gone (laughs) then didn't tvr jump in right after that yeah yeah he came back from injury right around that time yeah timing yeah seriously otherwise i don't know what the hell their defense was good. I mean, in fairness, their defense was Aduya, Jalmerson, Keith Seabrook, and that was it. There was right. only four defensemen playing yeah. Yeah, 95% of the games. But when they were all younger and <laughs> able to skate a little better than they can now. Oh, to be young. Glory days. Yeah. I'm getting all depressed <laughs> now. That should yeah. be the that should be the title of yeah. this uh of this episode. <laughs> Glory days. Well, if we're going to title the episode Glory Days, you got to talk about the Glory Days. But, I mean, this, these, I, I think a, a better episode title would be Dark Times. Yeah. yeah. That, Can you that's... dub Sarah McLachlan over this? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see what comes up in post-production. Oh, man. Yeah, so Dark Times. I, I like that a little better because of what I have on our uh, rundown sheet here. Next topic that I want to get to was ineffective possession. I want to like I want to dive into why the Hawks are so bad, and I had to bring up a couple interesting points. Um, I shared them on Twitter from the Four Feathers podcast account there, but I want to talk about it a little bit with you guys. So, stat last Thursday from thepointhockey.com. Despite spending more time with the puck in the offensive zone than any other team, the Hawks rank 20th in high danger shots and 26 in goals. The Hawks rarely attempt passes to the slot, doing so on less than 16% of their total offensive zone passes. That's absolutely ridiculous to me. Um, I mean, I it, it, I believe it. I believe all of that. Um, but the fact that they just don't attempt those passes to where you're going to get the most high danger chances just baffles me. It's just it's just cycling around the outside, and it's really frustrating to watch because you watch other teams do it, and they make it look like it's no problem, you know hit line A cutting across slot at Winnipeg multiple times against us. I mean, it just sucks. That's where the high percentage scoring chances come from. It's so frustrating. This team team doesn't really have anybody to go to the net besides Brandon Saad. And I I can't remember what game it was. It was a few weeks ago when he actually went to the net. And I know we talked about it in our group chat. We were like, fuck, yeah, that's exactly where he needs to be. He hasn't been back there consistently. Uh, Jonathan Taves will go there occasionally, but I don't really want Jonathan Taves in net battles at all. Um, there's really nobody else, you know, those that, I mean, that's where they need to be and they're not. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I mean go, go ahead, Ron. No, I was just gonna say, I mean, you look at all these other teams around the league and, you know, they've got bodies out in front or these guys are cutting to the net. Um, 
you know, we were talking before before we jumped on the air tonight and, you know, the three hat tricks that happened today in the NHL. Uh, we were talking specifically about Hornquist because his was on hat night in Pittsburgh. And so obviously the, you know, the ice sheet was covered with 20,000 hats. And, you know, he on every single one of the goals was either in front of the net or going to the net or was in the slot. Which equals successful chances, not any of this nonsense on the outside, just thinking you're going to get things through. I mean, I think part of the problem is, too, is just the playmakers on the team are almost becoming too predictable because if they do pass to the slot, you already know kind of who they're going to. You know, if Kane's trying to set somebody up on the far side, it's probably to bring it. You know, oh, okay, let's shadow him. You know, uh, if, um, you know, if it's, you know, Brandon Saad and Jonathan Taves with somebody who's going to carry the puck, it's probably going to the D-men and they're probably going to take a shot and hope for traffic out in front. What do the D-men do? Clear that traffic out in front. You know, they're just, they don't have enough depth right now to be unpredictable to a sense. You know, look at that Winnipeg power play. Why is Line A so successful? Washington power play. Why is Ovechkin so successful in that spot? Because there are other weapons out there. Now, granted, those two alone are worth shadowing a guy one-on-one, you know, because they are so dangerous. But there's other talent on the ice that you have to respect, and that's why they get those open looks. Patrick Lyon is on this Blackhawks power play. I argue he has half the power play goals that he does in Winnipeg because they don't have the same talent on the power play with him. So... You brought up a really good point. The le- this team lacks respect, and I think that they severely miss two names from the past. And I'm sure you can guess one of them. Hosa. Yep, and that's Marion Hosa. The and second Panarin. one. Is An- nope. The second one I'm going to say is Andrew Shaw. Hmm. Mm. Because Andrew Shaw was never afraid to go to those dirty areas, and we haven't seen a player outside of flashes out of Ryan Hartman who would go to the net and battle these guys and provide what we're talking about here. When Hosa was on the power play, you had to respect Marion Hosa, which would also leave either Kane, Taves, Saad at the time, another star player out there open. It's really easy if you've got Taves and Kane out on a power play to know that that puck is probably going to Patrick Kane, and if Debrinket's on the ice, to Debrinket. When you add a guy like Marion Hosa or Andrew Shaw, you've got guys who are playing roles out there on the ice with a specific purpose that also need to be respected. And that's what this team lacks. It's it's glaring. Yeah, it's- I, I like that you brought up Shaw there because I, I want to make a point about, I don't I honestly can't remember. Can you guys remember one where we've had a redirect goal this year no i am talking yeah. about so so yeah no that's i'm glad you brought up shaw because he's someone that you know would get in front screen you know he wasn't the biggest guy but he'd take away the goalie's eyes a little bit the guy would had, fucking use his head to put yeah, the puck in the net yeah, i mean exactly. it was we don't have anybody out there with that grit yeah i'm, I'm hoping perlini can get a little bit into those areas uh, i know there are a couple highlights from arizona um he's a bigger dude that, but, too he's a bigger guy yeah should be able to do it. I mean, even Strom. Strom's, I mean, not small for a center by any means. But I don't know if, he, you know, he's typically going to be kind of grinded for there, especially with his line mates. 
Well, and even even to that point, you know, with Dillenstrom, look at his goal the other night against Calgary. Where mm-hmm. was he going? He was in the slot. Right. He was going to the net. He was crashing the net like a center should when you have a winger coming up the ice. You want to you know, push the defense back. You want a center driving that middle lane. He did exactly that. He was open. He gets the puck, and he puts a beautiful backhand pass, you know, or a backhand shot past uh, Mike Smith. Mm-hmm. I, that's what the Hawks need more of. It, even, you know, you, you don't always need necessarily just guys out in front of the net all the time to be able to score. Just guys going to the net is going to help you score right. because Eddie you're pushing Oprah the defense back. That's how you're going to open up those slot pass lanes. You need somebody that's going to crash the net. They again, we I, I feel like we're being a dead horse here, but they don't have anybody that can consistently do that because. All their centers outside of Taves and I would argue maybe now Strom uh, are playing like a bunch of pussies and they don't want to go to the slot. Camp's not crashing the net. Anisimov for his big buffoon ass isn't crashing the net, which doesn't make any sense to me. You know, like if they can consistently have the center driving the net, that's going to open up more passing lanes for guys like Kane to bring it. Hell, even Cahoon and Fortin. I can argue those guys can succeed if they're open. You know, when they get open chances, you know, they they have the opportunities to bury them. And it's just eh, it's just frustrating. You know, it's it's all these things that you hear the the kind of the the hockey people, quote unquote, preach, you know, go to the net. Good things happen when you shoot the puck and you go to the net. You know, Eddie O is preaching it constantly. And that's just two things that this team doesn't know how to do. Yeah, it it's bad. Um, uh, just, uh, these these are some ugly numbers here. Um, all right, so at five on five, the Hawks rank six in scoring chances with six hundred forty three. They've allowed the second most scoring chances at six hundred seventy. Um, they're at eleventh in high danger chances for two hundred forty four but they've allowed the most with 298. So, you know, what do we take away from this? Sure, the coverage is atrocious, but, you know, for how much possession time that they have and, you know, because they control the puck more than any other team in their offensive zone, they're not willing to do what it takes to get, you know, quality scoring chances, which is just extremely frustrating. Do you have a sound effect of somebody getting a root canal that you can put behind all that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> trying to make me like throw up when i'm putting this thing together because i hate the dentist so that's what that sounded like to me yeah you're well teeth. <laughs> yeah yeah yikes yeah so not good um honestly not too much can change that right now though um I mean, it's just a will want to, but we haven't seen that all year, so I'm not expecting that to just show up randomly. Yeah. Um, another reason for the Hawks being terrible, awful special teams. Um, they're the last-ranked power play in the league. Ten goals in 80 opportunities, 12.5% conversion rate. Oh, here's, a fun, fa- here's, here's, a, here's a fun fact. Patrick Laine has ten power play <laughs> goals by himself, as many as the Hawks. Jesus. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's so hard to look at. Twelve point five percent. I was gonna like say I, I don't grade. like. I don't want to look down at my at the notes right now. I'm like, ah. Wait. And then, wait. Didn't didn't John McDonough and Stan Bowman say this is a playoff team? 
Oh, God. Playoffs? You want to talk about the playoffs? <laughs> Talking about the playoffs? playoffs? We can't even win a fucking game. <laughs> that has never applied more to another sport than it does right, right now to this Blackhawks team. Exactly. Yeah, even though that's a quote from football, that works absolutely perfectly. So Literally I'll, perfectly. I'll get that audio in there. Yes. <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ. my God. It's painful. It's just... It's mind-boggling, and I think what pisses me off the most, too, is, like, there was a little bit of a stretch there where the PK was actually okay. Like, even a middle-of-the-pack PK, but they were at least okay, you know, and then all of a sudden now, it's like every time they go on a fucking kill that they're giving up a goal. Yeah, they dropped yeah. down, uh, they were, you were right, Ron, they were in the back in the middle of the pack, and it was like, you know, it was okay, they looked like they had a little bit better yeah. system, going pressure in the puck a little more, but now they're the 29th ranked kill, um, they've allowed 22 goals and 83 um, opportunities against them, 73.5%, um, so, yeah, bo- both special teams, not good. Um, mm mm-hmm. Bottom five in both categories. Yeah. So does that default mean that we get a bottom uh, or a top, top five pick draft. then for having bottom five special teams? I'll take it. Like Jack look at Hughes, the positive here. Glass, Jack, glass half full. Jack Hughes would look really nice in a hawk sweater. I agree. He would. I agree. <laughs> at least Jeremy Carlton will be somewhat older than him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, some could, seniority now, finally. Now he could now he could be his uh you know, his older brother instead of like his high school classmate. Do you think Colleton still gets ID'd when he goes out to dinner and orders a drink? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. He looks younger than I do. You know what's funny? I was thinking about this the other day too. Do you think that people at restaurants even recognize Jeremy Colleton yet no. as the head coach of the Blackhawks? Ooh, yeah, just no. I would say no, and it's just like what we were talking about with camp going out to like a nightclub, saying you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I play girl, for Blackhawks. Up to a girl. Oh yeah, I play for the Blackhawks. No, you fucking don't. Right. I don't even but know I if you want like, to use I bet that like as a pickup. Jeremy Calton goes out to like a really nice steakhouse and like expects that like you know he probably gets some you know preferential mm-hmm. you know treatment or whatever if he's like if he's just there with you know, I don't know I think he's married yeah he's married goes there with his wife sits down and they're like put him in a back table and everything like that like yeah I could just see the whole thing right. but if Joel Quinville went out to that same steakhouse on the same night. They'd be like ushering out a red carpet for him, you know, hmm. getting him, you know, top notch service. I just think it's funny. To his defense, yeah. Q looks like a steak connoisseur. Like he knows how to fucking judge a steak, dude. That mustache, are you kidding me? That guy knows yeah. how to judge a steak. Like steak, cigar, like and steak, whiskey cigar, connoisseur. Whiskey. Even wine, man. He looks like he drinks yeah. wine. Looks like he'll fucking. Well, he did the Binnie's commercials. Exactly, yeah. dude. He probably still gets free wine. You see him rip you know those I'd shots. Like see, I'd like to see the the Binnie's. I'd like to see NBC Sportsnet start playing the Joel Quinville Binnie's commercials yeah. during during the Hawks games again. I think that would be really, really funny. Colin's you all know do it from outside because you can't get in. You can't get through a Hawks game these days without some wine or a beer. True. Very, very true. Yeah, my favorite place um, lately to watch the Blackhawks games has been at the bar, where after every goal I can take a shot, and the next one that goes in feels way easier to accept. 
wait are you talking about when the opposing team scores or when the Hawks score? Because if you're oh, trying yeah, to when, go... No, when, when the opposing team scores, 100%. Oh, okay. yeah, no, 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 no. When this Blackhawks team scores, no, no. That would be oh, a really no. good promotion. You know how the, uh, what was it, the Browns had those those lockers? Oh, you know, the Bud like Light. Unlocked with the Bud Light. Free they Bud Light for everybody Chicago, when they win. But only it's when the Blackhawks make the playoffs again. Jesus Christ, the beer will expire potentially by that point. <laughs> or or power play goal. Oof. Yeah. I think it's that better. should be a bar that should run a promotion. It's a good way four to wipe feathers, out alcohol. You know, four feathers can put their name on this. When the Blackhawks score a power play goal, you know, like it unlocks some sort of like dollar off your beer or something. Yeah, so Tony, that you bring that up. That, that's great. Well, we should look into that. But speaking of uh, time between power play goals, so um, Strom scored a power play goal as a nice backhander um, on Sunday night against Calgary. But before that, I was looking up and I was like, wait, I was like, when's the last time we've actually scored in the power play? I mean, there's only been 10 all year, so it wasn't too hard to go back and like look through the game logs and figure it out. It was November 18th against Minnesota. Taves scored a power play goal in the first period. That was before Dylan Strom was even on the team. This is his fourth game with the Hawks, and they finally got one. Ridiculous. That shouldn't be an easy, like... Yeah, exactly. I was shocked at how easy it was for me to find it. Was that pre-Joel firing? No, that was the... um, Was it like the game after? It might have been the game after. It was the whatever the Sunday night when the Bears were um, playing the Vikings. So oh, I think okay. it, it might have been a little bit after, uh, like maybe a little over a week. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, boy. Not great, Bob. <laughs> no. No. Not at all. Not at all. It's like it's it's almost funny because, you know, I'm sure we're going to get comments. People are going to be like, why do you guys sound so down on this podcast? And it's like, have you not seen what we're watching and talking about? That's like, it's like going to a graveyard and talking about the deaths of all these people. It's just, it's not enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> it's depressing. Like remember when at the beginning of the season, we do like a moment of the week. Like I can't even find enough to like even put out the poll anymore. So Sorry, that's been discontinued. Maybe if yep. they start um, getting their shit together, we can so bring it back. Continued but... at a further date and time. Yeah. yeah, my my moment of the week is looking up Blackhawks ticket prices and seeing how cheap they are, and realizing I can go to a game for very minimal money and actually go watch live hockey. But then I go, or I can use the exact same money at the bar on my bar tab when I'm taking a shot for every uh, goal that the opposing team scores. So it's like, which one do I really want to do? And you know, sometimes the latter sounds much more appealing than the former right now. So. Yeah. Well, and good news there. I mean, uh, Tony and I will both be at the game next Wednesday night when they play Pittsburgh. So very jealous of the two of you. Yeah, that's going to be fun. So, I mean, I got a, a free ticket, so I'm looking forward to that. Mine was mine was free as well. <laughs> as you guys can tell, we're really about spending money on the Blackhawks these days. We should, we should, uh, even though they're awful, we should still do a four feathers outing at, at the UC. Um, oh yeah, before oh, the season's over. I mean, if we beer. if we wait until March, we might be able to get in for like ten dollars a piece. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down to do standing room, dude. They yeah. they need to sell standing room by that time. 
They'll probably. Just you want, they yeah. didn't they do a like all game pass for eighty one dollars, which get comes or or no, I think it was yeah, it might have been eighty one dollars, like two dollars per standing room ticket That's for big. the full season, and I think yeah. those tickets have gone down even more now. Standing I think it was like it was like eighty eight dollars a month, but you get a standing yeah. room ticket to every game in that month, so you figure you could literally get it down to like eight dollars a game. If they're playing, you know, a numerous amount of games at home. I like standing room. Well, and yeah. when's the last time that the Blackhawks had a Cyber Monday sale on their never. ticket? Never. Absolutely never. Mm-hmm. The, that was an that was a first. All of these new ticket promotions, they did that stupid hat trick deal flex pack bullshit early in the season where it's like pick three games and mm-hmm. come and watch the Hawks. And it's like, yeah, you guys are struggling. Like there's still tickets for the winter classic. Are you kidding me? That's fucking bananas. How expensive it's, are they though? Not that terrible. I don't think really talk about it. Probably get high up at Notre Dame stadium for probably pretty cheap. Talk about luck, a team but... that shouldn't be in the freaking winter classic. Seriously. Yeah. They just get themselves embarrassed themselves. on national television. At least the jerseys are gnarly. Yeah, they'll play bad but look good doing it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's better than looking bad and looking bad doing it. Yeah. I don't know. I <laughs> the dark that, times title still, is really fun. That that's still a little bit off. Um, I want to see like how they're playing in the week leading up to that. But I would love for, even it, it. It could be one like not. It's not gonna like make anything better, but it would just make me feel a little bit better, just personally, if they were to just destroy the Bruins. Like kind of like they did to the Penguins at Soldier Field back in like 2014, just because I dislike both of those franchises immensely. So, yeah, a win would be nice, especially since I'm gonna haul my ass all the way to Notre Dame Stadium to go. Are see you going? Game. Yeah, nice, nice. You Dude, sound that... so excited, Ron. I've I've never. I seen know. So Dude, down. I'm That's so fired up. That's well, one the thing. Where I'm so still like considering it about going. Sorry, Ron, I was going to finish, but it's like, how often do you get to like tailgate the Blackhawks? You know, like, well, I tailgate the White Sox games all the time, but that would be like the... one time that you could. Yeah, yeah, that that's the only positive I'm feeling of it right now, and I actually know a, a decent amount of people that are are going that um, are kind of like local drinking buddies uh, of mine. So I, I plan on fully taking enough shots to not feel the cold at Notre Dame stadium that day. Um, but I mean, it'll be cool. I'm, I'm very excited. I, you know, once I get there, it's, it's still going to be surreal because, you know, everybody's like, well, this is like their 19th outdoor game, you know, and they only been doing them for 10 years. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, the Blackhawks draw. And so that's why they keep getting put in these games. But, you know, being a Hawks fan for as long as I have been, I, have never gone to one of these games because usually the tickets are way too expensive and you know was able to get tickets and i'm i'm still very excited i think it's gonna be very cool yeah i just to johnny's point it would be nice if it's kind of that one-off game where they come out and they actually show up a nice little 4-1 victory over the bruins would would be a nice way to start off the new year even if they maybe only win five more games the rest of the entire season i mean at least if they win, you know, the Winter Classic. Because, I mean, if you look at their record in outdoor games, they are terrible in outdoor games. Yeah. They've won I think one, the last one they won, won was the, yeah, well, the, 
Uh, yeah, no, I think that might be it. I think it was only, only the one at Soldier Field. Yeah, and that was a Stadium Series game. So the actual mm-hmm. Winter Classics they've been in, they are over. Oh, and three, yeah, lost to Detroit, St. Louis, and Washington. Yep. So it would be nice to to see him get a W. It would be it would be a nice little positive to this shit show of a season that we're experiencing right now. Yeah. Um. One positive that may be coming up is Connor Murphy's nearing return. He practiced today. He's finally cleared for contact. Um, he's going to travel with the team on the upcoming trip to Anaheim and Vegas, but he isn't expected to play at least uh, Wednesday night at Anaheim. So um, that maybe we could finally stop seeing Jan Ruda out there. That that would be welcome. He can go sit in the press box with his orange jacket on because he's a fucking pylon. Yep. Ugh. I can't stand Jan Ruda. And yeah, I, to that point, I mean, I, I know we've said it already, but I think it's worth reiterating. I have never been more excited for Connor Murphy to take the ice <laughs> in a Blackhawk sweater than I am right now because he he is already an upgrade from five of the guys that have played defense for the Hawks mm-hmm. this year. Four. Four. We'll call it four. Watch him start benching Forsling and keeping Bruda in. Oh, oh, my God. Forsling made some good plays the other night. I was actually pretty impressed with Forsling. He made I was say, plays. Forsling has actually been, like, pleasantly. Yeah. I was going to say, Tony, the only – yeah, I, you know, it would just be our luck watch that happen. But the only defense that we have against that, at least, even if Kaladin was dumb enough to do that, if he's going to balance uh, shots, then you'd be taking a righty out for a righty if you uh, take out Ruda. Whereas Forsling's a left-handed shot, so there's our uh, fallback. Hopefully, that's yeah, good to know. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's good to know. <laughs> oh, um, and all right, so yeah, we, this has been all doom and gloom. Um, uh, some, some, <laughs> very some, doom and gloom. Some, some exciting news for our <laughs> prospects: uh, Nicholas Bodine, Mackenzie Entwistle, and Ian Mitchell were named to Team Canada's preliminary World Junior uh, Cup roster. So that um, th- that's an honor for those guys. Uh, they're all, I think it's the uh, 20 and under there, that team. Um, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. so th- that was just announced um, Monday, I believe. So uh, good for those guys. Um, update on their stats. Uh, Bodine has three goals, 17 assists um, in 18 games for, in the QMH. QMJHL for Drummondville. Um, Entwistle, um, he's got 13 goals and 11 assists in 26 games uh, for OHL Hamilton. And Ian Mitchell, uh, two goals, nine assists um, in 12 games for uh, University of Denver. So um, congratulations to all those guys. Um, It's an honor. Always, you know, exciting times for those guys to be able to represent their country. Um, and other prospects, Evan Barrett, we talked about him last week and we're going to talk about him again because he's continuing to tear it up. Uh, 12 goals, 13 assists in just 15 games Damn. for Penn State. So, um, I need, I, you know what? I, I really want to like find out. They used to do like a lot of like Friday night hockey on like Big Ten Network, but I've, I haven't seen it a whole lot lately. So I want them to come back and air some Penn State games. 
I know that um, I think it's CSN actually has done a couple of Friday night college hockey games. I think I've seen maybe Ohio State Notre Dame was on earlier this season. I did see that. That was I think it was back in like mid November, I want to say. But other than that, I haven't really seen a whole lot available to watch. Um, anyone else worth noting? Uh, Boquist, he's doing pretty good, about a point per game for OHL London. Uh, seven goals and fourteen assists in twenty games. So, um, Boquist coming along nicely. Um, Dylan Sakura. That so we talk about you know like there's no one else to that makes the Blackhawks like threatening. Like they're too you know predictable. I don't have enough skill to be unpredictable. When do you think we'll see Dylan Sakura? He's got seven goals, nine assists, and twenty-four games for Rockford. Is their leading scorer? Once Chris Kunitz is finally traded, mm-hmm. I was thinking they'd bring him up right away with Colleton kind of being familiar with his style of play and everything. I thought that he would. Kinda, I was hoping for it. Yeah, but I guess not. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, though, if if Rockford's going to be at least competing for a playoff spot. Right. It might almost be more beneficial just for him to play this season down. And it's more cost effective for the Hawks because if he goes, well, I want a million five, they're going to be like, shut the hell up. You played in the AHL all season. Yeah, we'll sign you for another 100, you know, or another one year 900K contract and then go prove yourself. You know, Hopefully he doesn't want I mean, though. you know, I don't know how much it necessarily benefits him. So I think yeah. that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, Ron, can one of you guys explain um, what his contract situation is coming up. Uh, so he's a, I believe he is an RFA at the end of the season. Um, and Does I think that he's matter only... if he plays in the NHL or just in the AHL either ways. No, it's either way. Um, okay. His contract's up. So he signed originally a two year contract last year, but because oh, of playing it, yeah. up, they burned the first year mm-hmm. of the ELC. So he is, um, yeah, he is he is a free agent at the end of this season. I think he's still technically an RFA for I think at least two more years. Um, but he will yeah, he'll need a new contract. I've seen a couple places where people think that he's gonna get like a million five. I think that's a load of horseshit. because uh, if he's gonna play in the AHL all season, he's not gonna get that. Yeah. I would argue he probably gets what he got on his original ELC for another year. Uh, so you're looking at probably, you know, 925K, which is the max ELC. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably gets that for a year and they actually play him up and they say, okay, now go prove yourself. And then if, if from there, maybe he gets 35, 40 points and I could see, you know, him getting, a, you know, maybe another one, two year contract in the two, five to maybe three range. And then if he continues to show off, then that's when you'll see him probably get like, you know, maybe 5 million or whatever, but who knows by then Stan may trade him, and (laughs) we'll never know. So I don't know. I don't even know, but yeah, I mean, at least positives. I mean, he's playing really well down in Rockford. He's shooting the hell out of the puck. I think he's like one of the top guys in the uh, AHL and shots on goal. A little bit of a downer being that he only has seven goals on all those shots. I think he's got, I think his shooting percentage is only in like the fours right now, which is kind of, yeah. Think Brandon Sod of last year, you know, where tons of shots on net, but just nothing going in. Um, I would argue that that could change and hopefully will change, but 
Not totally sure. And then just quickly, I, I wanted to really quickly go back to Adam Bokvist because something a little positive. Yeah. So, I mean, he's been on an absolute tear up in London. Um, mm-hmm. Like this past weekend, uh, he only played one game. I think the rumor was that he was held out of their Saturday game because of the like flu or some type of illness. Um, but he scored the teddy bear toss goal for the London Knights oh, on nice. Sunday. Uh, and it was a beauty of a goal. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's on my Twitter. Um, and I can, Johnny, I can have you put it up on the four feathers pod too. Um, you know, he's, he's at the top of the blue line and I forget one of his teammates has it on like the left wing half wall and he sees the open ice down in the slot and he just flies down there, just blazing speed, catches it perfectly. And he, he does that little fake forehand to the backhand that he's been doing a lot this year and, and banks it. And then seven, I think it was like 8,700 teddy bears come raining down from the stands. <laughs> um, so that was pretty cool to see. And, and I know he, he enjoyed it. I think he also, uh, they, uh, the London Knights Twitter page tweeted, uh, there's a picture of him and Evan Bouchard holding up teddy bears, taking a picture, um, at some point. So some, some little bit of positive news now that it is teddy bear toss season. And, um, for listeners that don't know what that is, a lot of teams host where you bring a stuffed animal. Um, as soon as the home team scores a goal, uh, no matter if they're how badly they're losing or whatever, as soon as the first goal is scored for the home team, you just chuck the shit out of your teddy bears onto the ice, no matter how many you bring. And then they all get donated to, to charities, you know, kids fighting cancer and, um, you know, good causes like that. So it's a, it's a really cool thing. A lot of the minor league teams do it. I know Rockford did one this year. Uh, the Chicago Wolves did their first one this year. Um, numerous CHL teams do it. Um, and I think it all originally started with actually the Hershey Bears in the AHL. Yeah, I think they were yeah. the ones that started it. They had like thirty-two thousand yeah. teddy bears, world record. Holy shit! Yeah, dude, was it was a like a lot of teddy bears. It was like you thought. You think like the video of Boquist is like you know it looks cool and stuff, but no, this was literally like a monsoon of them, just ridiculous. Yeah, it's like Armageddon of teddy bears. Yeah. It just it was, looks like the world's gonna end via yeah. raining teddy bears. It's yeah, incredible. Cool, but, cool to watch. Fun experience for the players, and obviously all for a good cause. Um, yeah. See, there we go. We had some positivity in this doom and gloom episode. Yeah. Times and teddy bears. Prospects and teddy bears. Can, can we have a teddy bear toss game where they donate the teddy bears to Blackhawks fans to get them through the next few years? <laughs> <laughs> Can we just get like bags of wine, like throw some crown yeah. down onto the ice? I think that'll help me a little more than a teddy throw, bear. Throw some boxed wine onto the ice. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of like, so, you know, like you can't throw like cans and bottles because those would break. But, you know, I feel like some boxed wine, get a little padding from the... Can they just hand <laughs> out emotional support wine. animals? <laughs> me, Johnny, Ron, Tyler all hop over the boards and go collect all of them and run away. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Where are you guys going? Oh, we're going to go donate these to all the Blackhawks fans. Oh, oh, who are those right now? Oh, no, no. We're just, yeah, we're just going to keep all of these. We're going to be belligerently drunk in about two hours after we're done with our podcast. Uh, 
That's actually uh, a little bit of a positive note that we still have to do uh, is do a live Four Feathers podcast and all of us just get inebriated. Yeah, prefer make for some good banter. Preferably do a, um, um, you know, like a game commentary as well. (laughs) A.K.A. all of us just bitching and screaming at the television. Yeah. Yeah. That'll that one that episode will definitely need the explicit tag. One hundred percent, no doubt in my mind. Um, Johnny, you want to look at speaking of into the future? Let's take a look at the uh, the week ahead real quick before we uh, yeah before we wrap this up. Yeah. So, all right. Um, Wednesday, uh, Blackhawks are at Anaheim, uh, nine thirty Central st- Central Time start. Thursday at Vegas, 9 o'clock start. Sunday at home versus Montreal, um, 5 o'clock start. Next Tuesday, back up in Winnipeg, 7 o'clock start. And next Wednesday, when Tony and I will be there, uh, home against Pittsburgh, uh, 7 o'clock start. So um, of these, I'd really like to take it to Vegas, especially after they embarrassed us on home ice. That That's what I'm most looking forward to. Um other than that, it's going to be a tough stretch of games. I was going to ask, uh, what do you think the record will be for these next five games for the Hawks? Oh, and five. <laughs> I was going to be a little more generous. I was going to say oh four and one. But That's what I was going to say. I'm 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 right along those lines with you guys. <laughs> I, I think we're getting. A <laughs> yeah, win, I think boys. they might get an overtime uh, loss. I'm there. Feel, I'm I'm feeling a win. I'm feeling an OT loss to Montreal. Because I, I just have a feeling Carey Price isn't going to play and whoever the hell their backup is is going to give up a couple easy ones. So that's my thoughts on that. But um, I'm feeling a win next Wednesday when I'm there. Hey, that'd be nice. Who's the next Blackhawks player to get thrown out of a Ooh, game? Oh, yeah. Um, Do we have odds on this? Can we? Can we Brandon, Brandon Manning. Oh yes, one hundred percent. I, I, yeah, I can't fight jo- uh, Johnny on that one. You guys, especially got a different one, especially with how physical he's been. I mean, he got uh, yeah. Chuck Knucks with who did he Chuck Knucks with on Sunday? Um, ooh, speaking of guys that Chuck Knucks, Tom Wilson got killed tonight against Vegas. Somebody Reeves took a run in him. him. Um, oh, it was Reeves too. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, back into the mental. Yeah. Focus. Speaking of goons. Um. Yeah, Manning has kind of stepped into that goon role, so I wouldn't be totally shocked if he gets tossed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've had Keith Kunitz so far. My predictions: Manning, Ron agrees. You guys have anyone different coming up? I'm gonna stay Tyler, with the last go, name. Go with the K. cat. Yeah, I'm gonna stay with the last name of K and just you know, Keith Kunitz. Um, Camp, Cahoon, Kane. If if David Camp got ejected, I would actually be happy because then I'd like yeah. notice that he's there. I'll buy a, here. I'll buy a fucking David Camp jersey if he gets ejected. Oh, you just pinned yourself there. I wouldn't go that from Japan. From Japan. Yeah. So with the backwards Blackhawks logo. Yes. <laughs> and you and you'll have to wear cornrows to a game while you're wearing it. Fine. I like the cornrow look, man. I'll rock it. It's just the public doesn't like it. 
people walk away from me. So I'll, I won't have to wait in line anywhere. I know that much. I was going to say, there you yeah. go, man. That's that's the perfect scenario. Everybody walks away from you. Right. You step into the line for beer. Everybody leaves. You go to your seats. You get the leg room on either side. It's right. Are you oh. sure that'd be because of the cornrows or the David Camp jersey? Both. Uh, <laughs> both. And okay. everybody, you, everybody you see, you have to say, like, this is my favorite player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, I really hope he does now. I hope I hope he just like gets into it like on You know, uh, you know it would be a really good idea. You know like those those late night shows where they interview people on the street. Yeah. I think we should take four feathers oh. to the street of downtown and ask people in Blackhawks gear if they know who Camp is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible. Uh, Rod, I, Rod, we can do this on, on one of our lunches. I've, I was going to say, this could be like a, especially right at like that week before Christmas when absolutely nobody does anything well, productive. We could, we could go down to the Blackhawks store. There you go. Ooh, yeah. yeah that's where you I wouldn't it. mind that yeah, because, no, actually, I wouldn't mind that because my wallet would probably get a lot thinner if I'm there. <laughs> I can't help myself. I still love this team enough that well, I want to have to go. We don't have to go that go. close, but we could just get people as they're walking out and be like, so. How do you feel about camp this year? And we can get some live footage of, of people. And I think we, it, could, we could also ask other obscure Blackhawks questions. I think we should ask them what do they think of Brandon Perlini being in uh, like a top ten vote getter for the All Star game and see what they say. Because you know there's going to be a couple of them. Oh yeah, you know he's having a great year. You know <laughs> he, he was really high on him to start the season. Oh yeah, were you? When he was in fucking Arizona, down in the desert, the fuck out of here. <laughs> Ask him if, uh, if they like the way that Host was playing this year. There you go. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so more to come on that. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna exploit this yeah. a little bit. Yeah, we're idea. definitely gonna, we're definitely gonna have to explore this four, a little bit. Four Feathers digital shorts coming soon. Oh, can't wait. Speaking right. of uh, Arizona guys, um, yeah. There you go. Thoughts on them now going to be a central division rival come 2021 with the uh, Seattle expansion team. Um, you know what I'm most upset about is that they bump us down from being first alphabetically. <laughs> <laughs> is that like an OCD thing for you, Nani? Yeah, a little bit, but uh... <laughs> the only no, honestly, I got it. I don't have any. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting because there's a lot of you know former players and stuff, but they're just like they they just can never get it together. So if they're if they're good, you know what? That'd be fun to play against them, and I would totally go down and see them play the Blackhawks when I go to White Sox spring training in like a you know March game or something like that. Hey, oh, there's a... actually one of those available this year, by the way, Ron, I know you're a Cubs fan, but there, there is a Blackhawks game the last day of spring training. Um, so if anybody's looking to go catch a Chicago baseball spring training game and a Blackhawks game in Arizona, uh, you can actually do that this year within the same week. Um, for me, I just wonder if it, if it limits Dan's trade options even further <laughs> now that Arizona is in our division, or if Stan will just keep continuing to move players to Arizona, or if uh, the Calgary ownership group or the Carolina Hurricanes ownership group, excuse me, uh, is like you know thanking their lucky stars that now they're going to get even more trade offers from the Blackhawks. Here's a hot take: maybe Stan trades 
everyone that he likes on the team and then takes a job as their GM. Trades them all to Seattle and it goes and be yeah. their GM. And head coach. He's, he's got a couple seasons, guys. One last, this could one happen. Last, one last early prediction in the expansion draft, and I know this is really early, but who do the Blackhawks lose? Early prediction to the Seattle franchise. Dylan oh, Sakura. Fuck. Yeah, probably sick. Oh, I don't even know. I mean, the beauty of it is that all of their big guns on defense will be protected. So, yep. um, but is a guy like is a guy like Yoki Hario going to get exposed? No, so he'll be able to be protected. Um, because you got to look at it right now. Any guy that begins their playing career next season is going to be under the ELC protection rules. So Bokvist, Mitchell, Bowden, any of those guys, if they started playing next season, would be automatically protected. They're not even eligible to be taken. So, I mean, right now, currently on the roster, the only guys you're probably realistically looking at who may actually still be here are maybe Taves and Kane plus Brinkett and Yoki Haru. I mean, that's really the only four I can confidently say will be here. I would argue maybe Dylan Strom is still here, but I think they would protect him, you know? So I don't know. I think it'll be, Seabrook's I think that'll still be, gonna be here, really but he's going to get exposed. Oh, he'll be exposed and they, they except, won't fucking take him. He would, have to, he would have to move if they, if they follow those no trade clause rules, Stan's already set himself up to not be able to protect potentially someone like Yoki Haru because I'm pretty sure that last last go around if you had a no move clause that had to be waived in order for you to be exposed. So if you Correct. look at it, you've got um, when does Anisimov's contract run out? I think he's actually up that season, so I think he's a free agent that year. Okay. No. But I mean, I'm just thinking about the potential of Stan going into that expansion draft with all these no move clauses and having to expose somebody that he may not want to. Yeah, but, I'd say worst case scenario, it's like Yoki Haru Sakura. Well, well I don't. Maybe another I, reason to keep Sakura down all year. I think they're gonna. Well, I mean, Sakura like will. He already started last yeah. year. Yeah, he'll he'll be exposable. Um. I think Yoki Haru they'll be able to protect because you get to protect three defensemen. And the only two defensemen that actually have uh, any kind of NMC or NTC are Keith and Seabrook. So you figure Keith, Seabrook, Yoki Haru are probably your three that get protected. Um, this could be why uh, they didn't bring Boquist up to start the year. It could be. I mean, I, I mean, in fairness, I don't think he was ready. Um I think a lot of people also thought that Seattle was going to begin play in 2020 because that was kind of the original rumors. It wasn't 2021. So this is actually a year later than pretty much anybody worth mentioning in terms of hockey reporting was saying. Um, so that's something to consider, too, because, you know, Bokefist could have played this year. And if it was, in fact, in 2020, he would have still been protected under the ELC rules. So, right. Um, something to consider there but no a good point i mean yeah they they save themselves from potentially losing a, a top 10 talent uh in their draft pool you know they don't lose a guy like Bowden. they don't lose a guy like 
Mitchell, they won't lose out on any of these kids that are playing anywhere, you know, right now. Um, I honestly, yeah, I don't even know. I, it, to be quite completely honest, this team's going to look so different by the time 2021 rolls around um, that I'm almost just curious to see who's going to get, get, you know, taken because of how different the roster is going to look. So um, it's definitely a good question, though. It's like the not so early top 20 or it's like the 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 two early top 25 or whatever for like college football. As soon as some team wins the national yeah. title game, it's like the uh, who's the expansion pick, you know, way too early to tell. But um I wouldn't. Yeah, I think a I think a name of guys currently around Sakura would probably make the most sense. Sorry for my little bantering there. I realized I went on a run there for a second. Yeah, do we want to talk about these possible names for Seattle just really quick? I want to run through them, and if you there's one that should stick out to you guys, and if they don't do it, then they're dumb as hell. All right, it's Cougars, Eagles, Emeralds, Evergreens, Firebirds, Kraken, Rainers, Renegades, <laughs> Crackum, Sea Lions. Seals, sockeyes, totems, and whales. If, if you don't release the crack in there, what the hell is wrong with them? <laughs> no, they got to release the the hashtag crackem. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's our stuff. That's our stuff. You can leave yeah, that. But if, but if they take the crackem koozies, Tony. I was gonna say if they, uh, but if they take our thing, then we get money for it. Hey, get that copyright right now. The K. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure they're gonna. St- yeah, they're K A R K E N. Yeah. Change it now no. before they get on the. I like I like Kraken, and if a close second, I like Emeralds. I actually like that. I think that'd play out with some cool jerseys, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Seattle, Seattle sounds very clean, but yeah. supposedly, so I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, one of my coworkers actually sent it to me because we're a bunch of gambling degenerates. Um. They already have the odds out I saw that. for the names. And right now, Totems is the favorite. And I do oh, not know how I feel about that right now. Yeah, that's – there's that better ones out there. Like, I can see him, like, trying, like, to go the Seals route. But that was more like, you know, California with the teal yeah. jerseys and all that. So I, I, that's kind of like copycat thing. They want to be their own, Fire you know. What the fuck is a sockeye? It's a fish. It's a fish. Is it a fish? Okay. I think every I name on know. that on that list warrants green jerseys except Firebirds, right? Yeah. Pretty much. The Emeralds. Right. Emeralds for sure. Cougars and Firebirds are like the only ones that I can't see them doing like blue, green, white, black kind of thing. Well, think of the, uh, the Kane County Cougars though for us yeah, Chicago green, boys. Right? I mean, their colors were like green, black, and right. brown or whatever, so probably the case i I wouldn't mind a green i don't are there any teams right now in the nhl but the sharks have a little bit of teal in there minnesota the stars dallas stars are very much green right the stars are the only team that actually has like a real true green because everybody else has like a dark green or like a teal yeah yeah so minnesota one's supposed to be like a forest green like the you know uh wooded areas wild and the stars are the only ones that are like legit green like ron said at least I think that's the case. Now you got me like second guessing here. Right, I'm trying to think of them. Um, I'm going to look at a team list. I mean, Hang Hawks on. have some green it's in the head, right? In the Hawks. Toronto, Toronto does have an alternate. Ooh, state yeah, the St. Pat's oh, one. Oh, those the St. Pat's. So that's true. Those sick, are man. those are probably the best green jerseys in all of hockey. That's 
uh, without a doubt, actually. I love those. And the stars just like copy to our, you know, stripes. Yeah, the, I was just saying it's on like the waist and the sh- and on the sleeves and just. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to confirm, um, all the teams that we hit pretty much nailed it. Got you it. got the teal in San Jose. You got the forest green in Minnesota, and then you got like the real kind of Kelly green in in Dallas, yeah. and that's it. So I don't know. I kind of like green. I think green looks good on a jersey. So do I. Um, yeah, with like green and like a little like black or like silver like tint to it. Like, oh, I would love. Yeah, they. I sick. feel like they have to do silver. I feel like green and silver would just be perfect. And then maybe because yeah. you don't want to do green, silver, and black because that's too close to Dallas's. Right. So then maybe you can do like a navy blue. And then that kind of. Yeah. Like that. Something like The that. Seattle Seahawks. Or if they went Seahawks green, oh, let's go. I'll buy a jersey. I'll buy a Jalen Sakura jersey. <laughs> We're already talking about him like he's gone. Jesus, don't do this to me, guys. We've, we've already had enough negativity here. It's well, no, fun part of the episode. Here's here's no here's what's really going to happen though, guys, is because we saw what George McPhee was able to do with trades. The Blackhawks are going to beg, like whoever GM is, if it's not Stan, is literally going to be on his knees begging Seattle's general right. manager, please, please take Seabrook. We just <laughs> want to get rid of his terrible contract. I'm actually. And they're going to be like. Uh, okay, give us a first-round pick, and they're going to be like, oh, fuck, yeah, done. Done. See, that's a good point to bring up, too, because I remember hearing after Vegas, you know, after the playoff dust settled and Vegas being in the fucking Stanley Cup, I remember hearing that they interviewed the GMs, and all, like most of all GMs said that they would not have gone about it the same way as they did for that draft. Knowing that there was possibly going to be one in the future, I'm I am like hundred percent sure that it's going to be a completely different rodeo this time. Like yeah. no people, I think that uh, you know fucking Vegas had like how many first round draft picks that year, and this Three. upcoming one, how many did they have this one? Probably have a ton. None. None? Or no, I'm sorry, they have one. One, one this from an outside. Okay, yeah, but three in the first round last year, man, that's crazy. Yep, and they've already traded one of their picks from that year. Fun fact. For who? Uh, the Pacioretty deal. Oh, okay. Nick and which is a great deal. I mean, Pacioretty yeah. is a fucking boss. But yeah, I mean, Brandstrom was one of their first-round picks that year. He's playing really well down in here in, well, here in Chicago in the AHL with the Wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Cody Glass has been tearing up the WHL. So and he was their other first round pick. So yeah, they 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 went gang gangbusters that year. Well, and you look at all the other young guys that they got two out of it. You got Riley Smith out of it, kind of indirectly. Mm-hmm. You got Shea Theodore out of it, kind of indirectly. Um, who the fuck else did they get out of it, kind of indirectly? I'm trying to think. Um, they got that Jake Bischoff kid who's played up for a little bit for them on defense this year out of it. So they were able to acquire some nice prospects to help build the farm right away just because of teams begging them to take bad contracts. So, I mean, yeah, I agree. I don't think you'll see as many moves like that where, you know, the expansion team ends up with four first round drafts, but I think you'll see maybe one or two moves like that though. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Hawks started begging uh, Seattle for, for taking Seabrook's contract. But I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate real quick. And uh, Tony, you may appreciate this. Um, what if there's a lockout in 2020 and then they bring back the uh, compliance buyouts? Because mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you get rid of Seabrook's contract and then then what do you do? 
Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, but are we really rooting for a lockout? I mean, if there was oh, like, no, time no, for a lockout, absolutely. it would have been this year. But, I mean, even if they rework the CBA, <laughs> though, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, even if there is no lockout, I wouldn't be shocked if they did the two compliance buyouts again like they did for the last CBA discussion uh, to help kind of get rid of some of these bad contracts. Um, yeah, but with the with the rising salary cap, guys, we could have done a whole show on, on NHL landscape. Um, with the rising salary cap, our team's really – I mean, is that in the owner's favor – or in the players' association's favor, I'm not sure where it would weigh to to not have the buyouts. I would actually say, yeah, in, in the in the players' association's favor, they can look at what revenues are and say, look, we've we've put all this. I mean, the league is generating this much more revenue. Is it really needed? I mean, we're not seeing some of those those back end heavy contracts or like those Marion Hosa type deals anymore because they're they're not legal to sign anymore, and those are mainly the deals that people want to get rid of. I don't. I don't feel like there's that many bad contracts as there were at the time of the last lockout. I guess is my point there. But I do. I do. I do like that thinking. I would. I would hope that we can get a compliance buyout at some point in time. Um, I just like to go back and laugh at all the people who said we should have bought out Marion Hosa. Yeah. No, agreed. No, I think that's a good point. I mean, that's definitely one thing that I think to your point that they trying to avoid now are those type of contracts because really the only contracts that I can actually think of that are other than hostess that are still active are dunks. That was that lengthy Crosby, I guess is technically still on his like 12 year contract that he signed. But really other than that, I feel like a lot of these other ones are gone. You know, Ricky, really, if you look Rick, around, the only one that people would want to get rid of is Brent Seabrook. Yeah. Yeah. I think there may be one or two others that, I mean, we just don't think of off the top of our head, you know, but not nearly to that extent. I mean, you know, I don't think there's a ton of 30, you know, three-year-old declining defensemen out there making nearly $7 million a year. So for like the next six years. Dark times. Dark times. Dark times. <laughs> Can we end this? Yeah. <laughs> these these dark times. Are I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go dream of happy thoughts and. Yeah. Good luck after this. See what I can muster up. Ugh. That's gonna be a tough one. Mm. Just like this tough week ahead for the Blackhawks. So, I'm predicting a win though. I think we're gonna steal one. Watch us. So. Watch us run the table. Oh my god, yeah, dude! That's honestly how it works. Because what we talked, we talked like crap about Camp a couple of weeks ago, and then he goes and like has like, you know, the ridiculous power move that we didn't even think was physically possible for him. It's gonna be the four feathers bump when we talk shit about somebody. They're gonna crush it. Yeah, hopefully. Well, perfect. Um, we just talk shit about the whole team. So yeah, but we've been talking <laughs> shit about Stan him. Bowman for the last fucking three months, and he's not doing dick. <laughs> that's true. He that's because he's got a no movement clause in his terribleness. Yeah, his <laughs> eye bags. His whole body's a no movement clause. That fucking guy. I still can't believe he went on spitting chicklets. That's okay. Yeah, How was I didn't episode? get a chance to listen to that yet. He was no. actually all right. I got a chance to listen to it. He actually, uh, he actually gave some kind of some interesting stories. Just I don't know. It made me like respect him a little more as a human being. Uh, it doesn't change the fact I still think they need to fire him, but um, 
like he was telling his story about like how he got hired into the Hawks organization and um fun fact I have to eat some of my words daddy did not help him get his job in the Blackhawks organization um because at the time Mike Smith was GM and Scotty and Mike Smith did not know each other so it was all Stan so Something I mean, to think the about. name, right? I mean, it had to yeah, go. Oh, I'm name sure that helps 100%. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bowman, and they're like, oh, well, shit. Yeah. But, I mean, um, he also was, uh, Tony, I think you'll know what this is. I don't know if, if Johnny and uh, Ty will know what this is, but he actually started as a consultant at Arthur Anderson way back uh, yes. in the day. Pre, Pre-Enron. Huh. Enron, oh and he actually he actually brings that up on the pod, and I was sitting there being the accounting nerd that I am, and I was like, "Oh my god, he's actually a normal human." So you're telling me there's a chance? Dude. What a fantastic story! Enron. My next goal is to follow Stan Bowman's track. Rod lose GM of the Blackhawks. Yeah, do it. That'd be the dream. that's the dream, guys, because you guys are coming you. along for the ride if that happens. So sign us to NMCs. There you go. I better be special advisor. Special advisor? Yeah, Tony, your entire job will be to just crush diesels during every single game. <laughs> I'm a promotion myself. <laughs> yeah. Tony's are gritty. Tony's are gritty. We're going to have a Blackhawks version of gritty to, to accompany uh, Tommy Hawk because Tommy Hawk gets lonely at the games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> service and Tony, Tony can just stone cold steve austin two beers and before he puts the mascot suit on and just go out there and be ridiculous oh dear god don't give me <laughs> any ideas all righty it's time to wrap it up boys those were our good thoughts for the day so i hope people enjoyed that <laughs> all righty that will do it for episode 11 of the four feathers podcast I'm Giannani for Ron Luce, Tyler Jones, and Tony Marchese. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Go Hawks, come on.